everybody. Hey, y'all. I just took myself by surprise when I hit record. <laughs> Weird. It's like you're in control of the button, but I... not in control of your body. I'm not in control of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I Welcome to episode seven. I can't believe it. We have seven episodes. What is this? What? Who are we? Who are we? Okay, so. The success. What you got coming up? Um, what do I have? I don't know. Um, oh, just kidding. I have a conference coming up in Las Vegas mm-hmm. this week that I am so excited to be going on. Um, it's an information security conference full of sketchy ass hacker people. Mm-hmm. It should be fantastic. Yeah. Arguably the most um, like aggressive network on the planet for <laughs> five days. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> bring then, a burner phone. You probably should bring a burner phone, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm not going to comment on what I'm doing with that online, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to do that. Uh, and then also while we're out there uh, meeting uh, my future husband's uh, sister-in-law, so mm-hmm. we'll get to meet her and his nieces. So That'll be fun. Very hype to be going yeah. to Vegas. It should be a very fun time and also just doing like the general Vegas stuff. We have uh, reservations for Momofuko, uh, which that? is a ramen house. Um, so very that excited. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, I'm I mean, so it's, excited. Uh, David Chang's. Uh, I hope I get to go next year. It'll be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, we both work in risk. Yeah. IT and information risk. security. Yeah. Um, so what, so are you, what are you doing this week or what have you done? I'm looking after your cat. Oh um, yeah, I do really appreciate it. I'm looking you after Xander, the 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 premium the member of the podcast. That's true. <laughs> I really um I appreciate you doing that for us. Yeah, he's um I'm gonna look after him. I don't think I have anything exciting happening over the weekend, honestly. But then after that's my birthday. Hey! And then uh you get to join the old person club. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Shut up. Okay, you could sound like a little more excited. Damn, I mean, uh, I'm okay. already here. The birthdays get less exciting after 30. You're like, oh, gosh. Another year closer to 40. All right, well, I'm coming and I'm ready to shake my Although, ass. Although, we it. saw that fucking meme today with fucking Alex Jones versus Will oh, Wheaton. Yeah. Uh, you guys, Will Wheaton is two years older than Alex Jones, and that was fucking wild. For me to, re- I had to look it up. I was like, surely this is bullshit. Anger makes you less hot. Mm-hmm. True fact. <laughs> Science says so. Science being Will Wheaton. I don't, I don't find Will Wheaton to be particularly attractive, but I know that he's close to your heart. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I've watched a lot of Big Bang Theory, and, mm-hmm. and he's on there, and really, he's never portrayed as like a, a heartthrob. Which what? is, I guess, a, a mistake on their part. I guess part. if you're not growing up in, um, but they the did. 1990s watching but they did. Star Trek Next Generation. It was Will Wheaton playing Will Wheaton. I know. So it's like, why Why wasn't he a heart Because as adults, like, he's not. Oh, is he not? I don't know. I didn't know if it was, like, one of those things that just, like, love has rose-colored glasses. And you're like, he's so beautiful. I don't care. Um, so I had a weird thing uh, growing up where a gigantic crush on Will Wheaton mm-hmm. because like he's the person who's like my age on the I show. I feel like a lot of people did. I feel but like my then, sister probably did too. Growing up like slightly, when I get older mm-hmm. and learn to appreciate like grown men, <laughs> uh, because like you look back and you're like, okay, Wesley Crusher, you're like five. Yeah, down. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get to appreciate the beauty that is 
the perfection of John Luke Picard. Fair enough. And, uh, well, oh my yes, goodness, fair just, enough to I that. Will... Mm. <laughs> that man is perfection. I will hear nothing else. Yes. Uh, he set he set uh, the uh, Earl Grey the tea. standard Lemons. for Earl Grey tea mm-hmm. and uh, me loving bald men. <laughs> and also, he has so many petties. He has many pit bulls. He is he, a he fantastic human. This is just turning into a Star Trek fan podcast. Well, sorry, y'all. Tis what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, but he also he he has like a foundation for pit bulls, right? Yeah, I think so. And He's... also violence against women. So like all around, like John Luke Picard yeah. slash Patrick Stewart is just. An amazing guy, guys. Go check him out if you've not heard of him. If you watched uh, Picard uh, in season one, he has a pit bull. Yes, and it's his, though. And it is his adopted pity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So great. So good. So pure. I don't remember her name, but she is... Uh, In the show, they call her number one. Um, but yeah, so anyway... I don't care how uh, you feel about Riker. Aging like fine wine and at least... Far better than Alex Jones. I was gonna say, uh, well, yeah, Will but, Wheaton uh, aging. Nine kind of... of them aging half as well. I was gonna say, but as like Captain John Luke Picard, because he hasn't aged at all. <laughs> he's, because he's, he's like the same since he was like thirty. I'll so he's good to go. Else. I'm not going to tell you anything else. I'm not going to talk shit about <laughs> you. You're not going to hear that in this fucking podcast. I'm not talking shit about John Luke yeah. Picard uh, or Pitbulls. Yeah, no, get me a, a super hot bald guy any day. I'm here for it. That's exactly what and, you and have by now. any day I do mean uh, strictly my partner, uh, who is <laughs> okay. my own very attractive bald man. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um. But yeah. So anyway, uh, Star Trek's great. Uh, and if that wasn't nerdy <laughs> enough for you, I'm going to an information security conference this week. Exactly. Star Trek's great. Star Wars. Thank all of our listeners. Goodbye. We'll miss you. <laughs> no, it's not. I know who listens to this podcast <laughs> for the most part. And I know you guys are nerdy, too. Come with us. Be with us yeah. on this journey. Message us. Tell us what your nerdy things are. We would love to do stories on your nerdy things. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. History, what was it? Gmail.com. Shoot <laughs> us a message. Let us know. Shoot us a message. So, this podcast for this week is doing... Yeah, I don't know if we've said... This is the History Was Shit, podcast. Shit, I don't think we did that the last episode, either. I, we did. I started off with it. I don't think we did the last time. Did we say our time. names? No. Nope. All right. This is the History Woes podcast, everybody. I'm Morgan. And I'm Lexi. Nice to meet you. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, sorry if you joined us last time. Shoot. We never said our names. Mm. We're figuring it out. We're learning. Yeah. We're trying our best, mm-hmm. which is truly the theme of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Besties but today, trying their best. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But our theme for this podcast uh, is poisoning. Pick, pick your poison. Pick your poison. Yes, pick your poison. The tale of, of poisoning, if you didn't get the reference. <laughs> poison must foul. Poison huh? must foul. Yeah, so very excited about mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you're going first today. Tell me about your wine. Yeah, so I have a, uh, I figured I would take up for you, since you are trying to expand Fresh. your horizons, I would uh, go the other way <laughs> and get a Cab Sav. Um, but this is the Unshackled by mm-hmm. the Prisoner's Wine Company. It's a very cool label, guys. It has like the label. Yeah, I'm trying. It I can't. Looks like, freaking... uh, what are those things? Where... I don't know. They were mm-hmm. highly featured in um, the oh crud. No, they're the uh, the, the the movies with Tom Hanks. No, you know, they, no with the Da Vinci Code. Cage. No, oh, and the Da Vinci Tom Code. Hanks. Yeah, they did. The, they had those, and they were like the little fucking puzzle 
cylinders and that you are, can. Oh, so some of the things that are like on the Route 13. Dash it all. Uh, <laughs> it's like a codex of some kind, and it's like on a cylinder. And... Yeah. Anyway, so the bottle's real cool. Bottle's cool. Um, Check and it's it a cab, maybe. right? Yeah, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon uh, out of California. California. And it is a 14.5%. Um, and I guess you all should know, uh, just for ethical <laughs> reasons, we are filming these episodes back-to-back, so as drunk as we were in the last episode, we are just rolling right along. But we're at Lexi's house, so she lives here. So she's not driving, and my husband's picking me up. So yeah, don't so drink and drive, y'all. We're, we're being very safe. Be responsible. Or, um, but yeah, so we're just doing this. Anyway, um, bum, so bum, yeah, bum. pick your poison. Um, let's try this wine. Yeah. Well, I guess we can cheers. Cheers, cheers. cheers. That's yummy. It's not too dry. It's got the berries. Oh, I get very dry from that, but it I is. mean, it is dry, but it's not like when I bring cab, I feel like I bring yeah, like true. I'm here to like, put a desert in your mouth. <laughs> like this is dry, but I feel like all cabs are typically dry, but this isn't like super. Yeah, this one, it's very good. I get. I got a lot of berries. It's very berry forward. Berry, I get. Honestly, right now I'm just getting a lot of alcohol in the nose, but. Honestly, I never fucking smell like outside of white wines. Like I don't smell like the 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 notes that you're supposed to get when you smell like white wines. I'm like, okay, and you're like, it's grassy or it's got apple or it's lemony. I get that. Red wines always smell like alcohol to well, me because they are a higher percentage. Yeah, because I was like, I never get like that where it's like on the like you know when you smell it, it's got this or that. Never. I only yeah. get the tasting ones. All right. Well. You know, it's delicious, and I recommend you try it. Do you want to roll our fourth wall into the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know we what should, the sound uh, sounds like. Can we put in the Jeopardy music for this? So. Do, 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 do. All right. We're back. You have to let it finish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put the actual Jeopardy music. Anyway. Anyway. So, so you've got a story for me about... Poison. Have poison. I? Have <laughs> I got a story for you? Tell me. So, picture it. Mm-hmm. You're a young man. Oh. You work in an office laboratory, and it's great. Was my name Dexter? It can be. Do Dexter's you want to laboratory. Yeah, it can be Dexter's lab. Yeah. All right. He um, got that my lab, DB. <laughs> Um, and you have uh, assistants in there. Uh, it's fantastic. You are not even responsible for cleaning your own teacups at the end of the day. Perfect. I yeah. hate cleaning them after myself. Yeah. Uh, but you should, though. And there's this really nice assistant who takes care of it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sound ev- great. eventually, like any office, uh, there's like a bug floating around. Um, it happens in most offices. People start getting sick. Eventually, you catch it. It's like a tummy bug, right? Um, but it comes with this weird skin side effect. And your skin literally just starts hurting. And then, um, because you're a man, uh, you notice a very, like, sharp pain in your testicles. Not my boys. Not the family jewels. The family jewels. Not them. Um, and eventually you do recover from your illness. Okay. Uh, That's good to hear. But, sadly, you remain impotent for the rest of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's gonna... 
Yeah. Prove a problem with the missus. Mm-hmm. She's, <laughs> she's most upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few weeks later, you hear that uh, your odd but polite office assistant has been arrested for poisoning people's tea. Gosh damn it. See, this is why you need to clean up after yourselves. Don't let anybody else make your fucking tea. You'll be impotent. You hear me? And this <laughs> is the story of Graham Young, the teacup poisoner. I'm ready. I'm excited. I don't even fucking know anything about the story, so I'm excited it. to hear about it. So, Graham Young, mm-hmm. born in Middlesex, so this takes place in the UK. Uh, so they're pronouncing it Graham. It's too upsetting. To, right. Well, we're going with Graham. They do like the whole fucking thing. Well, because it's the UK, so like, I mean, I mean, it's probably how it's supposed to be said. It's like Graham. It's like they said the whole thing. You, they don't. They acknowledge that there's an H in the middle of that name for no reason. Well, welcome to America. And I'm not. We're not saying that. Uh, his name is Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and... the measuring system we refuse to use. Precisely. Um, and uh, so he's born in 1947. Mm-hmm. Uh, he initially has an older sister, but she dies of tuberculosis when he's only 14 weeks old. His parents fall in mourning. They are devastated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they send Graham to live with his grandparents and his sister to live with her aunt for a period of time while they are in mourning. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, from a very early age, Graham is obsessed with chemistry. Um, he, growing up, becomes familiar with the local chemist in his neighborhood. Okay. Um, and when he'd go talk to him, the chemist thought that he was much older than he was because he was so knowledgeable. He would just spend time reading chemistry books in his downtime mm-hmm. in the 40s. Just This was a passion of his. And uh, in 1961, Molly Young, Graham's mother, began uh, suffering from vomiting and diarrhea attacks. His mother? Yes. In okay. 1961. So he's uh, 14 years old. This is much... More recent in history than I thought you were gonna say. I thought we were in like eighteen hundreds, and we are not. We're no, in the sixties. Yep. Welcome in the UK. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so these uh sickness attacks were originally dismissed as a stomach virus, right? Mm-hmm. Like vomiting, diarrhea, sure, it's the flu. I mean, that's gonna be like your most logical, right? Soon after, Frederick Graham's father mm-hmm. began seeing similar symptoms. Graham's sister is also sick on a number of occasions. Damn. Why, might you ask? Graham had become fascinated with poisons and had gotten antimony from an... I'm assuming that's how you say that? Antimony? I mean, I'm not going to... I've never heard of this before. That's a poison? So, uh, it is a chemical and it is a metallic poison. So similar to like mercury. Arsenic or... Yes. Or mercury. Yes. It's its own is element. It, is it like um is it a possible like a like a pest control one? I'm I'm just uh, literally going by ant being at the beginning of its I name. I don't because so many people use rat poison, which had arsenic in it. So I'm like, is this like a uh, so brand I don't name think maybe? it is it's more so I don't think it was commonly used for that. Okay. Um, it's just a poison that he came across when he was a kid. Yeah. And he's so, like, this is my fave. Right. So it's mainly okay. used um, for, like, uh, hardening alloys um, for Which... batteries. So it's, like, lead, copper, The shit you tin. do not want to be hardening your insides. Yeah. Um, and you would use it in, like, um, clutches and brake parts and cars. Ooh, not on your... So not not things you want. Gastrointestinal system. Correct. <laughs> okay. It makes you Yikes. sick. Um, that sounds awful. Yeah. All right. So Graham had become fascinated with poisons, gotten antimony, 
uh, from the local chemist and started poisoning his family just to see what would happen at 14 years old. Mm-hmm. In Oof. addition to... Like, straight to your family? I mean, you shouldn't poison anybody. Okay, like, that is the opinion of this particular podcast, but, like, straight, like, I, I also have people who are going to poison people, and they didn't necessarily go straight to the family, I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, like, so, yeah. if it makes you feel any better, well, uh, he, I don't know. he also poisoned a number of his school friends. Well, who, I mean, he's indiscriminate. Yeah. He's not like he's taking it out on anybody in particular, yeah. it's just... Uh, Whoever they, wants that tea, which in the UK is everybody. They, yeah, uh, they become ill with similar symptoms. Yikes. Yeah. I guess you, that makes sense as to why you think it was a stomach bug. Everybody's got it. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just going around. Yikes. Um, In November 1961, uh, Winifred, uh, Graham's sister, mm-hmm. uh, had been served a cup of tea that was so bitter tasting that she had to pour it out. Mm. Um, but on the way to work on the train, she begins to hallucinate. It had to be helped out of the train station and taken to a doctor and came to the conclusion she had been poisoned with belladonna. <gasps> okay. Yep. Well, that's only a sip. Yep. One sip. So, like, she like, would have been non-nicotine shape if she'd had the whole thing? Yep. Uh, Frederick, uh, Graham's father, confronts him about the poisoning and warned him about messing around with those, quote, bloody chemicals. Um... <laughs> uh, but he blamed his sister, saying that she poisoned herself. That was oh. not his fucking fault. You know, brotherly love. Yeah. 14, I didn't do it. Ooh. She poisoned her damn self. <laughs> so, um, the next year, he's 15, Easter Sunday, uh, Graham's mother, Molly, dies. Oh. Uh, this is believed to be due to complications from a car accident she had suffered. Um, but at his mother's funeral... Graham gave his cousin a pickle that had been poisoned with antimony. Um, and shortly thereafter, his father became ill. Oh, no. Where he was informed that he had been poisoned with antimony. Stop accepting food from other people. <laughs> and had he had one more dose, he would have died. Yikes. Graham's aunt was like, nah, this kid She was seeing no more pickles. This kid is sus. And uh, his science teacher was also like, mm, "Something's not right here. Mm-hmm. You know too, you know too much about about poison. Weirdly, you everyone like is poisons sick. too much. Exactly. But also, everyone is sick, and you fucking ain't. So, yep, <laughs> yeah. Um. So together, the aunt and the science teacher, uh, Oof. contact the police. Yeah. Uh, and they discover Graham's extensive knowledge of poisons. In May of 1962, Graham is arrested and found to have several bottles of thallium on his person. And when questioned by the police, Graham confesses to poisoning his sister, mother, (laughs) father, and school friends. Police were like, you can probably just send this whole child back. This one's defective. Just get a new one. Like this get rid is, of this one. He sucks. This is just, we're, we're, uh, just, you know, send it off. We're done mm-hmm. here. Um, and a psychiatrist determined that he had a psychopathic disorder. Um, Yikes. and that he had failed to develop, like, a normal moral sense of things. Okay. In any capacity. Hence the indiscriminatory, uh, nature of his poisoning. He's yep. like, I mean, anybody, I'm literally just doing an experiment here. Yeah, like, just, he's, you know, like, he's, science is science. What am I supposed to do about it? Right. He's like, I mean, uh, who am I to say that it should be my schoolmate instead of my mother? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, every, anybody's fair game. Yeah. Then he has poor mommy. 
the the psychiatrist. Uh, sorry, the psychiatrist states that Graham is extremely likely to reoffend. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, when questioned about how he was doing, Graham said uh, that he was deeply missing his poisons and the power they gave him. Well, sure. I mean, if you if you have a, like a psych like psychopathy as a as a like a thing that you're dealing with, and you're like, man, anybody who ever fucking annoyed me, you're donezo. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're later. you're out of here. Like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. I can't go outside with my friends. You can't go outside ever again. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> like, goodbye. So, like, yeah, if you're suffering from psychopathy, I imagine mm-hmm. he does miss those things. However, you should please probably remain in this institution. So Graham uh, would go on to plead guilty to charges of poisoning. His father, mother, or no, sorry, his father, sister, and schoolmate was not charged with his mother's death because her death had not initially been listed as uh, the cause of it as being poisoning. All right, we'll dig her up Um, and test those bones. Although he had confessed to the crime. Okay. He was sentenced to 15 years in Broadmoor Mental Hospital. Um, so he's 15 years old here. He should or no, I'm sorry, there. he's still 14. He has not had his 15th birthday Oof. yet. So, at 14, he is one of the youngest inmates to ever be sentenced to Broadmoor. Yikes. Uh, he was not the youngest. The youngest was 10 years old. That's problematic in its own way. All of it is. A lot of it's problematic, right? Like So, also, I would say this person should not be in the same mental institution as adults um that, so there's I a think, lot of problematic yes we're in and history in guys 60s, i was gonna so, say we're, uh, like mental health right care exactly we're in terrible. history so uh, honestly uh, so much of it's problematic and so much of it is going to be things that we but, don't agree with we're just yeah, telling you a story yeah i'm not saying it like i agree with any of this and also i think graham probably needed i don't know medication and help not to just be... Is there medication for psychopathy? Um, I think there is now, maybe, but not... I know that we've covered, none. like, a lot of other personality well, and, disorders. Like, you've got... And in the 60s, I think psychopathy was a catch-all for maybe other things, right? So, like... So, like... Uh, what was it? Bipolar in the early aughts. It was like, oh, you're just bipolar. And it's like, right. okay, well... Or no, or you manic depressive or something. Manic like depressive. That. That's the one. It was. There manic were... depressive was a huge one in the early odds. Like where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you just have this and write you yeah. off and give you enough medication to sedate a horse and then goodbye. Goodbye. Enjoy your life. Yeah, but I think um, so. I think we've had a lot of things now. Obviously, we still need to come a very, very long way. Yeah. In support of mental health, but uh, so this yeah. kid at fourteen, after attempting to kill his entire family, Oof. Um, yeah. had been sent away. Um, and maybe it's insensitive to be joking about it, but I can only assume if it was me, I would be like, I don't know what to do here. We um, have to have levity somewhere, guys. Yes. I mean, we, I mean, everything we're going to talk about is almost heavy. always, aside from like a few topics, Cuban like Cuban sandwiches and, uh, Key West in general, where we have like <laughs> conquered public, we're going to have things that are light in general, but there's going to be things that are going to be heavy subjects. And yeah. just as a general disclaimer, like... We don't ever think that things are necessarily funny in and of themselves. We will find levity somewhere. We will find each other funny. We're trying to make you less uncomfortable, but... I do think I am the funniest person I've ever met with you as, like, the closest second. (laughs) And that's why we've got a podcast. But yeah, yeah, just... 
But Just yeah. so you know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so this child who is 15 years old gets sentenced yeah. to Broadmoor, the youngest mm-hmm. ever sentenced there. Uh, with 10 years old. And I will say this person leads to a lot of reform in these areas. Well, reform is good. Yes. Um, but, so, shortly upon Graham's arrival mm-hmm. at Broadmoor, mm-hmm. uh, his roommate, uh... mysteriously, <sighs> dies of cyanide poisoning. How? Why? It's the 60s. But I was like, why does he have fucking access to cyanide? Like, one of the more fast-acting poisons, like... It's the 60s. So, it's the 60s. Graham, Is that rat poison you got access to? Graham mm-hmm. confessed to poisoning his roommate in a letter <laughs> to his sister. And his reasoning was truly something that resonated with me deep in my bones. Like, just... does he Was he breathing on him? <laughs> Bless him, he never tries to fucking keep it a secret. He's like, uh, I did, did definitely do that. His roommate snored too loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all, I snore. And I wish I didn't. Um, <laughs> but it is, a, it is a truth of my life. And we have slept in the same room as each other. And like she cannot. Yeah, she cannot. With the snoring. But she gets earplugs now. She's fine. But like, I have, like, a violent reaction to a... People snoring and be people just breathing loud in general. It breathing loud, like to near me. her, on her. Don't ever let her catch your breath because, like, she will. I hate it. And is there look, something wrong with me? No, no, Probably. no, no. I was gonna say, look, we've all got our shit. We've but all got our things we a, don't a like. Pet, a, a peeve of mine. Many people pet. <laughs> um, and so anyway, not I. I don't breathe on her. I, I snore, but that's out of my control. Yeah, but I do not breathe all, in, on it's, you. It's fine. But I remember that one time we were sleeping in the same room. <laughs> I had the sleep talk. <laughs> we were at. Uh, we were staying at a friend's house, and we were both. Uh, we had our inflatable air mattresses. <laughs> On his living room floor. And uh, she had woken me up long ago with (laughs) snoring. And she snores so loud she wakes herself up. But starts only like half awake and starts sleep talking. And starts mumbling. This bitch is probably going to say, I woke her up snoring. I'm not even snoring right now. And then immediately falls back asleep. And goes back to snoring. <laughs> That's true. And, I, and she's like, do you not remember saying I was like, no, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> I was just, I'm sassy in my sleep. <laughs> where I'm like, but, I don't yeah. snore. So I, across the board, I'm bad at sleeping. It takes me forever to fall asleep. When I fall asleep, yeah. I'm a light sleeper. Yeah. So the whole thing is just unpleasant. We just anyway, get her those earplugs now. <laughs> I Yeah, I do. I travel with earplugs now almost exclusively. But I would like to say... um, I get Graham's stance when you're in a mental hospital for, for <laughs> as far as you know, the rest of your fucking life. When you're and 15, the, if you're like 15 years, this is the rest of your life. And the person uh, next to you just won't stop snoring. I get it. I'm not saying that's right. I'm in, saying I get no, it. No, but in, in, I don't want to say fairness, but like. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but if you've got a serial poisoner, he probably doesn't need a roommate. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, uh... And, again... Budgets exist. Uh, yeah, budgets exist, but also, shit. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what the roommate was up to, but... Yeah. So, um, Graham 
our homie, despite going into great detail, uh, one question about this, of how cyanide could be derived from the laurel leaves found on the grounds, was never charged with his roommate's death and it was ruled a suicide. Okie dokie. <laughs> but later on in his stay, he poisoned a nurse. Oh gosh, okay. With cyanide, but was never charged. Um, so during this time, he starts reading about and becomes obsessed with Nazism. Reading, uh... yep, reading many books on poison and the Third Reich. Uh, he also grows a toothbrush mustache, which I did not know was the name of this mustache, but it is the Hitler stash. Yeah, and it was pretty common at the time. And yeah, then Hitler and Charlie Chaplin has it's, it's since fallen out of favor for reasons <laughs> you can guess. So, so yeah, what a what a pairing. That's like, oh, this red wine pair is great with a steak. And then it's like, oh, this poisoning pair is great with the third Reich. Yep. Yeah, um, I mean so... it's not wrong, it's just troubling. I would like to say it is disrespectful for toothbrushes to have <laughs> this mustache be named after them. Rude as hell. Um, so in nineteen sixty-five, uh he applies for release, and this is four years after he's been uh, Okay. His father and his aunt come forward, saying that no one is willing to house this kid. <laughs> Do not let him go. Uh, and stated that he should never be released. He's still poisoning people! They, uh, so he's not been charged, nor convicted right. of any additional poisoning okay. this time. Okay. Uh, and five years later, in 1970, eight years after arriving at Broadmoor, a psychiatrist recommends that Graham be released, stating that he is no longer obsessed with poisons or killing and is no longer a danger to others. Okay, I disagree. I think Graham should stay in Broadmoor. Or no, I'm sorry, be transferred to a, uh, not prison, a mental health facility that is of other people who are of adolescence. Well, so at this point, he's an adult, right? Eight years later, he was 41 okay. and so he's he 22 He should stay now. in Broadmoor. He should not leave yeah. and is should be subject to uh, further So help. the singular psychiatrist evaluates <sighs> him and states he's, he's good to go. And this is despite the fact that Graham that same year had said to a nurse, when I get out of here, I'm going to kill one person for every year I've been locked up. So upon his release in 1971, fantastic. Uh, Graham, you know, saw the light, found the Lord, spent the rest of his years in a rectory where he still resides today. Right now, today, as I'm, of our speaking, I am absolutely lying to you. And just kidding. Okay, I was like, right now. <laughs> upon his release, uh, he was housed with his sister. Oh no. Oh, let's take it. Let's take a second. Oh, Winifred. Okay, let's take a a second to to give a thought for poor Winifred. She was like, "Yeah, I guess I'll fucking do it," even though he's already poisoned me. She survives. Well, good. She but makes it out. Also, a second because she was like, "Yeah, I guess I'll do it," even though he already Great tried sister. to off me. Great sister. Great sister. Shit. All right. Um. So he's housed with his dear sweet sister, and within weeks. Is back to his old ways, trying to purchase poison. The chemist is disinclined to yeah, acquiesce to his request. Yeah. In his defense, he never said he was gonna fucking not. 
shit. <laughs> Uh, and the chemist is like, mm, no, you don't even have authorization for these chemicals. Like, no more Laurel. Graham goes to the doctor, acquires authorization for said chemicals, and purchases 25 grams of antimony and 25 grams of thallium. Uh, Graham becomes friends with a young man named Trevor Sparks. Okay. Uh, they would visit pubs together, and they played football or soccer together. Um, but Trevor begins to experience pains in his stomach and his testicles accompanied by vomiting and diarrhea. Um, and later in life, Graham admits to poisoning him and Trevor ultimately recovers, but was never even physically able to play soccer again. And, um, during, I would like to say during his probationary time, Graham's PO never visits him. (laughs) Like, okay. never actually checks up on him. I mean, like, I get the reason, like, you wouldn't want to see him, but also, like, you maybe do your fucking him. job. Yeah. Uh, and also, background checks in the 60s and 70s were apparently not real thorough. Uh, so what? he secures an assistant, or an assistant position in a lab where he is able to get his hands on more thallium from a local chemist. <laughs> And uh, Graham's colleagues are said to have found him unpredictable. Some days he's an absolute dick. Other days he is exceedingly friendly. Uh, He reads a lot and is generally not talkative. Unless you get him going on one of his favorite subjects, which include war, (laughs) Nazis, and famous murderers. I'm sorry. Imagine you're at fucking work and someone, like, I don't even know why someone bring up Nazis, but then you have another coworker who's just like, oh, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. When I'm at work, if somebody like, wants to talk about dinosaurs, that's my reaction. I'm like, oh, let's talk about dinosaurs or, like, some, like, history or science shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's my favorite thing. But imagine, like, that, but, like, your fucking coworker is like, I fucking love Nazis. Like, I would, okay. Goebbels, like, his shit. <laughs> S plus tier. Like what? So I get it. Uh but I also feel I wonder how many people feel that way about me with like true crime and my no. enthusiasts with that. And I'm like, oh, I have a favorite serial killer. Do you? It's not um, the same. I refuse to believe. <laughs> but I, I wonder how anyway, yeah, no. Uh Nazi is unacceptable to be obsessed with, yeah. with that. But I do wonder how many people have a similar like uh reaction to me. There are many discussions that have gone far into why women are interested in true crime and serial killers. And when we actually say the word favorite, what we mean is most scary. Um, We don't actually mean favorite as in like, right. It's not like favorite as in like, like, I want to be like them. It's not like that. It's like, hey, this guy would have fucking absolutely gotten me because... This is and this, and now this I have to learn how, from this experience yeah. to keep myself safe. Yeah, that's when we say favor, what we mean is most scary. Yep. Um, so Graham working at the lab. Some of his duties include cleaning the personal teacups of everyone in the lab, which makes it exceedingly easy for him to poison his targeted individuals. Mm-hmm. He would either slip antimony or thallium into their drinks. They would fall ill, uh, which was 
with which was ultimately nicknamed the Bovingdon Bug. Uh, which uh, the blame for that was placed on everything from contaminated water to radioactivity due to a nearby airfield. Right. A co-worker <laughs> named Bob Eggle, who was a storeroom manager and was Graham's immediate supervisor, uh, a Dunkirk veteran, okay. and a World War II enthusiast, uh, Graham began poisoning him within weeks of his arrival to the job. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, he went on a week-long holiday in which his conditions improved. Mm-hmm. But upon his return, Graham kindly delivered a lethal dose. Um, he, he rapidly deteriorates, and his death is thought to be brought on by a oh, virus. No. And it is a workplace tragedy for this man who survived all of the I mean, darkness Dunkirk? of Dunkirk to fall victim to a virus in an office. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we're probably not going to cover... World War II or Dunkirk on this particular that would be a series like a a legit series but but, there's a movie about it if you want to get like a fast and dirty version of it there's also a really great um YouTube channel that goes over the inaccuracy inaccuracies inaccuracies of of movies and Dunkirk actually didn't have too many um it did have a few things that stuck in his craw I'll see if we can find this podcast for you guys. Or not podcast, it's on, it's on YouTube. See if we can post it for you guys. But um, Dunkirk itself, like the movie is not too far off. And yeah. it's also like... And so tragic. So tragic. Um, and this man had... Survived all that. Survived all of it, only oh. to die from a quote-unquote virus. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. It's poisoning. It's, it just turns out to be another fucking Nazi fan. Uh, so... Graham also targets a fellow assistant at the company um, and co-worker named Diana, mm-hmm. uh, who Graham only poisoned in small doses when she annoyed him. Ugh. An entry from his diary says, Di irritated me yesterday, so I packed her off home with an attack of sickness. I only gave her something to shake her up. I now regret that I didn't give her a larger dose capable of laying her up for a few days. All right. Uh, He poisons two other employees' teacups, David Tilson and Jethro Bat. They were both left permanently impotent from the thallium poisoning they experienced. Uh, He expressed remorse about Jethro, saying he felt ashamed of his actions for harming him. Mm-hmm. Later, in 1971, uh, so I think same year, uh, he poisons yet another co-worker, Fred Biggs, Jimmy. who did not survive the ordeal. Oh. Initially thought to have Bovington, the Bovington bug, mm-hmm. uh, he ended up having his central nervous, seri- sorry, central nervous system deteriorate to the point that he cannot walk, speak, or hardly breathe. And this is from the... The poisoning. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, where others experienced like stomach problems mm-hmm. and skin irritation, mm-hmm. Fred's skin began to literally peel off of his oh body. Oh my gosh. And this entire time, Graham remains in contact with Fred's wife, feigning concern for his well-being. <sighs> okay. So, eventually, mm-hmm. with Graham's co-workers getting sick and dying, people mm-hmm. start to get suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, it's yeah. weird that your whole department is sick, mm-hmm. but you're not, like, you must have some, like, resistance to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so they start trying to investigate this Bovingdon bug. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone, mysteriously, informs management of Graham's interest in poisons, and this leads them to contact the police. Okay. Uh, in 1971, he is arrested and denies any wrongdoing. But upon being led away, he says, which one is this one for? <laughs> uh, they search his room and they find 434 milligrams of thallium and 32 grams of antimony. Uh, the latter, so 32 grams of antimony, is 200 times the lethal dose. Okay. Other poisons in his possession include atropine, aconitine, and digitalis. I don't know those poisons. But I bet they suck. They do. And his room is covered in swastikas and pictures of Hitler and other famous Nazis. Oh, man. Police discover a detailed diary that Young had kept, uh, noting doses he had administered, their effects, and whether or not he was going to permit each person to live. Again, I don't want to say in his defense, but like also uh, to cast our minds back, Homie did say like, if I get out of here, I'm gonna kill a bunch of motherfucking exactly people. That's exactly what I'm gonna and he, do. And damn it, if he's not a man of his word, uh, yeah, he was like, I'm <laughs> definitely gonna do this. And then they yeah. were like, yeah, let him out. And then and he like, fucking yeah, and he's did. Totally fine. All right. Uh, so he eventually confesses <sighs> to poisoning okay. Eggle, Biggs, Bat, Tilson, and oh. Trevor Sparks. I mean, yeah, the the problem is not his confessions. He's been very upfront this whole he time. He's a very direct person, which you know, I it's, respect it has a been bit. the attitude of everyone around him that has caused him to be like this. Uh, he said he used different poisons on different people to confuse the doctors, lest he become suspect. Uh, he boasted to committing the perfect murder when he killed his mother, Molly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was never convicted. Um, he spent 20 minutes explaining to officers the effect that thallium had on the human body. Mm-hmm. And when he asked why on earth he would poison people who were close to him, mm-hmm. he responded, well, who else would be my guinea pigs? Ooh. And yeah, it's not, it's definitely not the victim's fault, but it, it I'm going to go ahead and pin some blame on that guy who let him go the second. Yeah, I don't want to like, blame the victims. I'm not going to blame the victims at all. I but... really look at the psychiatrist and be like, what? Zander we're going to let him out in a second. very upset at this he's man. He's like, well, I, he's like, I wouldn't have released him if it was up to me. He's like, this is an atrocity. We should never have done this. Sandy, maybe. We're we gonna agree. let you out right after the story of Xander. 
Uh-huh. He's like, I want out of this fucking studio. You guys never asked my fucking opinion. Like, I prepared my story. None of you are listening. Uh, but yes. So, ultimately, he is charged with two counts of murder, eight counts of poisoning. Uh, he pleads not guilty. He has a very hard time finding a barrister who is willing <laughs> to represent him. Uh, which a barrister is like an attorney in the UK. Yeah, fun fact, y'all probably don't know about this unless you've seen Law and Order UK. But all those freaking lawyers and judges in the UK still wear wigs. Look it up. I'm not lying to you. I will never lie to you on purpose. Um, they do. They still wear fucking wigs. Yep. They're not very big. They're not big wigs like we've talked about in the past, but. Oh boy, they they're, still they're wear not them. Big wigs. They, yep, they sure as shit still wear them. So look it up. <laughs> they do have the funny wigs. Um, mm-hmm. and fun fact, uh, that's not a. I think it's only a bachelor's degree required over there to be a bat a barrister. It's not. Post- right. <sighs> Mike. Not Mike talked to us about this recently. Yeah. It was like you you serve as a barrister, but you have to like serve under like somebody who's been practicing law for. Yeah, you're like an internship yeah, almost, thing, which yeah. I don't think is necessarily different than being yeah. an attorney in the U.S. Yeah. Anyway, good times. Um, so he has a hard time finding someone who's willing to represent him. Um, and eventually he secures representation. A trial goes underway. Uh, the jury is not allowed to be informed of his prior convictions. Which, fair. I feel right. personally just okay. based on like a grand scheme of things. All right. Um, but also, I don't know. He poisoned this person, so maybe it makes sense that he would poison this person. Yeah, I guess it um, depends on the. Um... I I, yeah. I get both sides of it. Yeah, I get both sides. Um, he also retracts his confessions made to the police. Uh, the prosecution used entries from his journal, uh, which he claimed to be the startings of a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> right, but I mean... Yeah, sure. no, what? I just happened to name everyone, <laughs> Look. people I worked with, and noted poisoning amounts that I made for the poisonings, sure. or for the poisons you found on premises in my Who house. Who am I to say? It is just a coinkiting. <laughs> um, 75 witnesses testify against him. That's a lot of witnesses. I don't know if y'all are watching that Johnny Depp trial, but we're <laughs> nowhere near 75. Graham himself is the only witness the defense <laughs> is able to provide. Oh, gosh. The remains of Fred Biggs were examined and determined to be riddled with thallium, like, Pearl throughout Fred. all of his organs. Oh, good golly. The cremated remains of Bob Engel, which had yet to be scattered, still had nine milligrams of thallium in them. This is the first time cremains or cremated remains mm-hmm. uh, are used as evidence in a murder trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, on June 29th, 1972, after a whopping one hour and 38 minutes of deliberation, the jury finds Graham Young guilty on two counts of murder uh, for Bob Engel and Fred Biggs, two counts of attempted murder for Jethro Bat and David Tilson, mm-hmm. and uh, two counts of... So they broke the poisoning charges up. Mm-hmm. So he's found guilty on two counts of administering poison with intent to injure 
and he's found not guilty of administering poison uh, for Trevor Sparks and another coworker of his, Peter Buck, okay. um, and is acquitted on four counts of administering poison with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. Alright. So, only two counts of the eight total counts of poisoning he's convicted of, but both counts of murder, both counts of attempted murder. Okay. Uh, and he requests, and I think, so I think this is really telling of, um, like, psychiatric care and psychiatric hospitals at the time. He requests to go to a regular prison. Mm. Okay. Rather than be sent back to Broadmoor, he requests gotcha. life in prison All right. as his sentence rather than going back to a mental institution, which I think is telling of mm-hmm. our like mental health and mental care mm-hmm. at the time. Right? It's just an absolute fucking nightmare. He's mm-hmm. like, no, please, I would rather be among like the most violent of violent people than... Mm-hmm. Be in a mental health care yeah. facility at this time. Yeah. Um. So he get he requests to go back to a regular prison rather than uh back to Broadmoor. He and he is sentenced to life in prison at H M Prison Park Lane. Um. But <laughs> in this time in prison, he has to regularly be moved from cell to cell. Because he would regularly poison inmates out of poisons that could be made from regular household things in which they had no cure. So his roommates kept fucking dying. Okay, this guy cannot have roommates. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to the yard by himself. He needs to have his own room. This guy cannot be with others. Yeah. I feel like that's been established. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does 0% plays all well with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cannot have roommates. And so it was just like regular shit they would have yeah. in their rooms that Ugh. he would turn into poisons with no cure because he was so well versed mm-hmm. in everything. He could poison you out of anything. Mm. And he regularly met with doctors um, and asked to be placed. In a medical, uh, pharmaceutical trial. Okay. Um, and the doctors agreed. And he said the medication helped him. Okay. Um, and he would, but he said over a span of time, uh, the medication would decrease in effectiveness for Mm -hmm. him. So he regularly asked for his dosage to be increased. And doctors obliged. Uh, and then... One day, he comes in and requests the lobby called because doctors had been overdosing him on this medication. All right, weird ask, but okay. The doctors, pissed as shit, moved him back to a mental hospital. Oh, gosh. Okay. Where he ultimately died in 1990. All right. Um, After Graham Young, uh, changes were implemented including requiring two separate and concurring psychiatric evaluations mm-hmm. prior to releasing a patient who is mentally ill, a supervision of released patients mm-hmm. are increased. Uh, they get a lot more support. Um, and this also leads to reform in the criminal justice system uh, because I think people realized it was problematic for Someone to go, I would rather serve life in prison than be 
yeah put in an institution where i can be treated for my mental health but the treatment is so bad that it is worse than life in prison Mm -hmm. and that y'all is the story (laughs) of the teacup poisoner graham young yikes okay yeah all right guys we're gonna pause real quick so we can release xander from his uh from the podcast studio i will be right back Okay, Xander has been released from his studio bonds. <laughs> his prison. <laughs> his prison. Um, okay. So, on to me. I have you brought for us... Tell us about your wine. I'm so excited. I've taken a chance here. I hope it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called Apothic, and it is called Sparkling Red. Now, there is another wine that we have loved in the past... And it was called, it was from Steel, Steel Wines. Wines, Shooting Star Black Bubbles. And, and it's a sparkling Syrah. Yeah. And we weren't able to really get that anymore. It was served at a wine place that we used to go to and it's hard to find now. So I saw that an Apothic does a really good job with their red blends and their mm-hmm. cabs. Like I've never had a bad thing from them. And they did a sparkling red, which is different because normally your sparkling wines are going to be white. So I was like, let me try it and we'll see so we're taking a big chance and we're gonna hope it's not sticky sweet and i did a lot of research because i was like okay is this gonna be too sweet and a lot of people were like it's sweet but i guess like if you're gonna have a sparkling wine it's probably gonna have at least some sweetness to it but i was like is it gonna be too sweet and based on the reviews i found it's not supposed it's supposed to be a really good blend of everything that pairs with everything so all right here we go let us pour this Uh uh-huh it is bubbly. It is definitely bubbly. It's a lighter color than I anticipated mm-hmm. it being. It is. Thank you very much. Yep. And it's apothic. Kind of goes with apothecary, which is poison adjacent. <laughs> Tell us, how do you feel? I would say that, that the advertisement I would say so sweet. I would say that the advertisement is correct in that it is sweet, but it's not like overpowering sweet. You can feel however you feel. Too sweet for you. We took a chance. That is aggressively juice. It is All right, sparkling well, we, we, juice. We took but a, it is juice. We took a chance. Um it's uh it's it's better than sparkling minachettes. But it is extremely <laughs> sweet, I would say. Y'all don't um, understand that the sparkling Menachevitz is uh, her being like, <laughs> it's better than trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the worst I've ever had. So, yeah. Um, cheers. So, cheers, my love. Okay. And I am so excited to hear your story. Here we Tell go, us guys. All about your okay. Quick trigger warning. In this story, we will mention abortion. Infant side, torture, and because it's about poisoning, trigger warning for anyone with trauma for being slipped anything in their drinks. Oh yeah, we're probably late on that one. Well, these topics are going to be prevalent throughout my story, so just a quick warning, everybody. Yep. I'm gonna take a quick sip, and then I'm a. Uh... Oh my god, that is juice, y'all. Uh, so if you are a person who likes moscatos and you are trying to get into red wines, that's probably I think a good. This yeah. would be a good transition for you, but. Yep. 
Holy cannolis, that is sweet. I'm sorry. We took a it's chance. Okay. We tried. All it's right. not terrible. It is just... It's very sweet. Very it much is. a sweet one. I wanted to... Okay. You're I wanted branch, to recreate an experience. out. I wanted to recreate an experience. Look, I... you can't branch out unless you try new things. you got to try new things. Okay. That's what we're doing here. All right. So, hopefully that didn't clip. <laughs> we start our tale in 1600s France. So we're, we're casting them way back. Way here. back. Mm-hmm. Yours is way before mine. Yes. And that's why I probably thought yours was like in the 1800s, but I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, it's like contemporary. Yep. So it's modern history. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to have to say several French words throughout this story, and I'm going to I'm gonna attempt my best. I've been drinking. I'm going to do my best for y'all. Um, and I'm going to, I'm trying not to sound like an idiot. You're going to um, do great, and you're not going to sound like an idiot. Worst case, you just sound like an American. Or a drunk person or a drunk American is what it is. Um, okay, so in 1678, a woman by the name of Marie Boss was at a very fancy party. Ooh. <laughs> Held by her friend, Marie Vigoreau. Marie is a very popular name at this Ooh. time. <laughs> we have Marie and Marie. I love it. Yes. During this party, Marie Boss becomes very drunk, much like myself at this moment. <laughs> And starts to tell everyone at the party about her profession. She brags that she has become so wealthy by selling deadly poisons to members of the aristocracy that she would soon be able to retire. Oh my gosh. Which is a choice, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Just out here, she's like, yo, I've become (laughs) so rich with these illegal practices. Yeah. Which, I mean, listen, people do that. Uh, yeah. They shouldn't. But you should not boast, guys. I don't want to tell you how to do crime. <laughs> we're not telling you how to do crime, but also, if you're going to do crime, shut the fuck up about how much money you're making. Be a real one and shut the fuck up. Shut up and move to Belize. Mm-hmm. Just shut up, move to Belize. Have a great time. Anyway, continue. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the time, at this time... The police were investigating poison cells in Paris, and the guests at the party, the lawyer, uh, Maitre, which Maitre is, I, I think, Matthew, uh, Maitre Perrin, um, reported the conversation to the police. The police sent a wife of the police officer to Marie Boss to ask for poison to mar- murder her husband, and Boss Provided her with with what proved to be deadly poison. Ask and you shall receive. Boss was promptly arrested, along with her suspected associate, Marie Vigoreau, the one who threw the party. Poor Marie. Poor Marie's all around. Uh, Boss confessed that there... Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to have conflicting feelings about throughout the story. (laughs) Um, Boss confessed that there was a ring of fortune tellers in Paris who were selling poisons to the aristocracy... And one of the leaders with was Catherine Monvoisin, also known as La Voisin. Thus, what is now known as the Affair of the Poisons came to a head and threatened the very king himself. <gasps> what? Yes, I know. <laughs> Not the king! But before we go on, we must... Eat the rich. Fuck the French. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Sorry. But before we go on, we must backtrack. Okay. A couple of years. I'm to going back 1676. in 1676. 1676, I got it. And talk about the case that started it all. Ooh, the one that started it all. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's my favorite ice cream. <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> enter 
the Marquise de Brimvier. Um, also, first name Marie. Um, but we're so gonna we have Marie one, Marie two. And we're Marie gonna three. just call her the Marquise de Brimvier. Marie um, three. Yeah, Marie <laughs> cubed. Marie cubed. Um, <laughs> born in sixteen thirty, she was the eldest of five children. But despite being the eldest, it's the sixteen hundreds. She will never inherit any part of her father's rich estate. And must instead marry a man who would receive a large dowry on her behalf. Ugh. Yeah. The remainder of the estate will be inherited by her four brothers. But she does marry, and she marries Antoine Gobelin. It looks like Goblin. But Antoine Gobelin. He sounds like a goblin. Marquis de Bermeyer. Yeah. Well, well. Um, And he was very well off himself. And soon after their marriage, Antoine made a friend, Godin de Sequois. And Godin de Saint Croix, like Saint. Right. Uh, yep, but we're gonna call him probably Saint Croix for the rest. Of- <laughs> <laughs> and he introduces new friend to the Marquise, and they pretty much immediately start having an affair. <gasps> oh yes, very scandalous. Um, and the Marquise's father was not happy I about can't his imagine why about his daughter's affair with Saint Croix. Which, if it became public, could damage his reputation. It's and, all about you, Dad, yeah, but go on. Yeah. And he found out that the Marquise was in the process of separating her wealth from her husband's, who was gambling it away. Good for her in the 1600s. It was akin to basically divorce. A major Good fro- for her. Yeah, a major... Don't get... Again, we're going to have some conflicting feelings. Look, I am where I am. Don't... I, yeah, but don't get too attached, because you're going to have some conflicting right, feelings I've in just a second. I've said this once this week already. I will say it again. Y'all, don't let me be your moral compass. But I am where I am, but, and I am honored. You're my gonna, husband is gambling no, away no, 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 no. my fortune. You're going to feel differently in a couple of seconds. I'm trying to All save right. you from yourself. Okay, well, um, good luck. <laughs> myself is myself, and I feel strongly. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, well, so she's she's separating her wealth, <laughs> which is akin to divorce, which is the same age of faux pas in French aristocratic, uh, aristocratic society. In the aristocracy. Yes. Her father has a lot of power and influence due to his position. And in 1663, he instigated a lettre de cachet. What is that? More on what that is in a moment. Cool. <laughs> I put in parentheses. Um, <laughs> against her lover, Saint-Croix, which called for his arrest. <gasps> While riding in a carriage she with the Mar- her lover? No, her dad rec- uh, requested her, the arrest yes, of her lover. Of her lover. Right. Yes, yep. So, oh my goodness. While riding in a carriage with the Marquis de Bernvilliers, um, Marquise de Brimvier. It's very difficult. It's French. So the Marquis is the guy. The Marquise is the lady. So I'm doing my best. So with the is Marquise de... No. All right. It basically so the Marquis ends with an S and the Marquise ends with an E. Oh, uh, okay. So, so yeah. Marquis so he, Marquise. Exactly. Okay. So he's, he's traveling with, uh, the Marquise de Brimvier. Um, St. Croix was arrested and thrown in the Bastille. Uh, or Bastille, whatever, um, for a little over two months. Many Bastille is the prison. Bastille is the prison. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. it's not just a. It's, just, it's not just a band. <laughs> it's a. It's actually a French prison. French prison. Um. Yep. So he was arrested and thrown into there. Um. Many historians say that it was at this time in the Bastille where Saint Croix learned much about the art of poisoning. He was imprisoned in the Bastille at the same time as the infamous Exili, an Italian 
in the service of Queen Christina of Sweden, who was an expert on poisons. Wait, I'm sorry. He is an Italian? He's in, he's in the Bastille at the same time as the great Exili, who is a guy who was employed by the Queen of Sweden. An Italian employed by Sweden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Europe. It's everybody's very close. Yep, I'm just trying to make sure. I, I, no, I'm I get drawing it. lines I get it. in my head. And I get it. I, I get it. I get it. Yep. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but Exili is an expert on poisons. And upon his release from... The, so upon saint Croix's release from prison, he marries, but he remains in close contact with the Marquise. Um, saint Croix certain alchemy business to allow him to work with poisons. Now, I mentioned a lettre de cachet. This is going to come up again. These letters basically mean that a subject was imprisoned without trial and without an opportunity for defense. The wealthy sometimes petition such letters to depose of, or dispose rather, of inconvenient individuals, especially to prevent unequal marriages, nobles with commoners, or to prevent a scandal. So, but, so it's an indicator to basically say that they were not fairly accused, convicted, or represented. Nothing is fair. Nothing is fair. They have no representation. They, they have no chance of defense. It is basically be, like the very wealthy being like, I don't want to... And the letter the, to the cachet is from the king. So they're basically petitioning the king to be like, get rid of these people. This was actually a major point in what would later become the French Revolution because they have they such were, like, power. Rich. Yeah. Right, they have such power to be like, oh, get rid of these people. No chance for any kind of defense. Any chance of anything. Like, just get rid of them. And- whether it's to a prison, whether it's to a mental institution, a convent, expulsion from the realm... Whatever it is. But so, say you were arrested and imprisoned for these things, and mm-hmm. then you have these, what were the, there were there were letters after it that Right, it's basically it a letter from the king. Being and it, like, it basically said this was bullshit, but... Not so, necessarily, it just says, by order of the king, get rid of this person. Oh, so it's not like there's like a thing afterwards where it's like less nope. damning for them publicly later. Nope. It's... it's literally, I have actually a, a photo and I was going to give it to you later, but I'll show it to you now. Um, and we'll post this. But basically you can see here this this photo and this is actually from the person at this time, which is Louis the Fourteenth. It's a leche de cachet and it basically just says, uh, de parler roi, which is in the name of the king, get rid of this person. And there is oh, no. So it's not a thing where it's like less valid in that they had no representation, no nope. fair charges, no fair oh, no. representation. It's, it's just... basically the same as anybody who got sentenced for... with representation. It's like just get rid of this person. But it, it but, so it indicates that, it, but it doesn't make it any less valid in the eyes nope. of the people. No. Okay. But I mean, it does eventually when they overthrow the king well, and right. chop off when... everybody's heads. But later on, yeah. But as of this time, no, it makes it no less valid. It's the same. So I'm struggling on whether or not I want to go on this tangent, and I'm going to because okay. it's my podcast. And go we for can. it. I mean, well, I imagine that Michael would probably be but, so, very upset oh, at the prospect of this. This has nothing to do with his opinions on things. Uh, this is. I'm going to bring it all the way back to. Beauty and the Beast in Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In which uh, the French Revolution takes place after Beauty and the Beast. It does. And uh, the general argument that uh, if the French went on full eat the rich territory, 
Yeah. Uh, Bella wouldn't have done well. And neither would Adam. She would have been better off marrying Gaston. Mm-hmm. That's all I have for that. But <laughs> that is something I think about every time I hear about the French Revolution is uh, Belle. Same. My, I do as well. Now, one of it was my point favorite princesses growing up. It wasn't uh, that well. Look, she got. Uh, she had a candelabra. I love candles. Give me books. Give me a library. Give me a large dog to snuggle on a nightly basis. These yeah. are all of the things that five-year-old me dreamed of. I don't disagree with people who liked Belle. Just as y'all, I, my, my favorite princess was Pocahontas, and that is so uh, problematic <laughs> because, yeah. like, for me, I was like. Oh, it's a tan. I'm tan. There's a tan lady running in the woods, and her favorite people are animals, and she's jumping off waterfalls. Ah, so to this day, I want a water. I want. I, get, a, I want a cliff okay. dive. Um, I get but why you, as a small child, as a child, yes, as a child, as an adult, today for weekend. We are not weekend. Today, that is not my favorite where, princess. Other uh, than unless we're talking about the real princess, um, Pocahontas, not the Disney version. But still, my problematic and nothing that we identify with. Uh, my new favorite princess is Tiana. <laughs> Because, <laughs> gosh darn it, if that girl didn't, like, I want this. And then she worked really, really, really hard for it. And if she, darn it, she didn't get it. So, yep. that's my I new favorite princess. I don't know who my new favorite princess is, but... Tank well, Pocahontas. It's not, no. and not... She just had a raccoon, and I was like, oh my gosh, as a child, she it makes sense as an adult. and no. a hummingbird. I'm I never sorry. understood why she chose... John Smith also. Yeah. But I never I think... understand. Also, in fairness, not in fairness, but also in the in that movie, highly quotable, what was it about the white men? <laughs> These, <laughs> These white men, men are dangerous. dangerous. Um, and as the palest person in any room, I can confidently yeah, say that. Yeah. But I would like to say, um, right. I'm still not sorry, Belle got a library. She did get a hell of a library. And damn if this bitch here does not want a library. Oh, yeah. Are so, you not a fan? Well, not not a fan, but is your favorite not is not Tiana? I love Tiana. Um, I'm not saying you don't love her. I'm just curious no. about what your favorite one is because so Tiana, now, like, I mean, a of all her dress. Okay, no, bright so green. Her, her dress has okay. That is my favorite color, but it has, doesn't have a lot to do with like my feelings on people mm-hmm. because like Belle's favorite dress is yellow. Which yeah, is, which like, is not my good. Least favorite, but character. also she was a frog, which reminded me heavily of Jean Bob from The Swamp Princess. <laughs> Fair. Cast your mind back. The swan princess, Jean Bob, but, everybody. So I don't know who my favorite modern princess is. I, so Belle and I have a very long I get it. history, I, right? I do like get it. Like my whole life. A has lot of been people our age around really uh, getting myself. I, I wish to, I still, I, who I am among in my us 30s. doesn't? I wish to be in a point in my life in which I can have A, expensive clocks, B, <laughs> many candles, C, a big ass dog who loves <laughs> only me and also is polite to the clocks and candles in my house and does not destroy oh them. Oh my goodness. Uh and D a big ass bitch in library and also a passion for tea. That's fair. I, you don't have to change your favorite. I, it can remain I can, well. I, I I appreciate so like I appreciate Merida and her Ooh. Ooh, she's, she's like... And also, I have an ever-loving... And I know she's only recently uh, defined as a, Disney, as a Disney princess. Anastasia, I am an adopted child. Yep. She is recently 
purchased. Does not matter. It is Disney Realm, so I'm taking it. I am running. She's also got objectively some of the best songs, and Bartok objectively is the best. And uh, Dimitri and uh, Great A. He he was, but and I love so many of the sidekicks. I mean, we've got Mushu, we've got Cricky, we've got Miko, Flit, Bartok. Fantastic. I know, but Bartok. I and I understand that also Hank Azaria is under the fire for some other voices he's is done. He? he did a poo in The Simpsons, which is not. Oh, I didn't know. All right, yeah. It's no, highly problematic, for, but Bartok, hell of a character. Uh, probably also very it by offensive itself. to the Russian people, I can only assume. I don't, um, I don't, um, I do, honest. I love. Anyway, Anastasia. Anastasia's great. I grew um, up uh, a child, I, I was adopted. <laughs> So Anastasia was like across all my yeah. favorite princesses. We're gonna we've but been drinking, from, so whoever is listening to this fucking yeah, episode thanks, really sorry, loves us. Um, um, but I would like to say, like, so she's anyway, great. it's like and Belle, Anastasia, uh, who else? Oh, Milan, Merida. So when I was a kid, I had a and uh, my one of my best friends in the whole world, Tabby. Uh, we had a full choreographed dance routine to the entire soundtrack of Mulan. That's great because um, it deserves it. Mulan. So, yeah. Anyway, Merida, I love. We, I because I also really love archery, and I'm like, I'll be shooting for my own. Yeah, but like I was an adult when I saw it, so it doesn't have the same. Yeah. I don't know. It does for and, me. And like I loved the Little Mermaid because like eighty nine a a yeah, but it, it wasn't Belle. Belle was my girl. Just, That's fair. And honestly, and I'm, I'm good not with it. sorry about it. Like, you, you, give me my tea. Give me my library. Give me my large saucy little dog, candle. Give me <laughs> sassy people in my life. Give me my oh, candelabra candle. and give me gorgeous clockwork. Shut the fuck my, up. Act like that's not what you want. My husband just continuously accuses me of loving all the fucking buzzkill characters, but Cogsworth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa, I'm Cogsworth. I'm sorry. His line where it's like, you, what was it? He's like, there the usual, are the usual here. things. You can get her chocolates, presents, promises you do not intend to keep. I'm sorry, right? And Zazu. I'm sorry. That's oh. Rowan Atkinson. How dare you say that that is not culture? This is Rowan Atkinson. I'm sorry. I love him. I love Cogsworth. I love every Buzzkill character. I don't care. They're fantastic. I know this went just way into Disney. And this has been Disney Corner brought to you by the History Bros, a.k.a. The hoes who know yeah. history and Disney, and we have an, an interesting. And we're going yeah. to jump right back into mm-hmm. the story. We'll bring you more of this when we do our Disney episode. But <laughs> okay, um, all right. So <laughs> right back at it. Back into France, which minutes. is very important and actually happening. Um, so soon, Saint Croix, the guy who was in prison with the Great Exile, he learned all this. Poison shit. Um, he taught the Marquise everything he knew about poisons. And she began to test her concoctions. This is where I was telling you, you're not going to like her so much. She tests her concoctions on patients while she was doing charity work at a local hospital. Because the hospital was very crowded and the patients already sick. When they died, their deaths went unnoticed. So that's a drag. Wait, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yep, that's it's her. a drag. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So once she got, but yeah, but once she got her mix right, the Marquise went about poisoning those who she wanted dead the most. Her family. First, she knocks off her dad, and then, to get her hands on the inheritance money for her brothers, she murders all of her brothers. All four of them. Damn! And her murders were all successful. She wasn't implicated in their deaths, and all were attributed to natural causes. But then... Bum, bum, bum. In 16, dun, dun, dun. Yep. In 1672, Saint Croix, her lover, dies. The reason no, for I know, but the reason for his death is disputed. With some saying he died by accident by coming into contact with his own poisons, but most believe he really died. He did die of natural causes. Um, whatever the reason, after Saint Croix's death, a box was found among his possessions which contained poisons and various letters between himself and the Marquise implicating her in several poisonings. Ooh. Adios mio. <laughs> yeah. After hearing that this box of letters had been found, the Marquise fled and was later captured and sentenced to death. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But her death, however, was not the end. After the Marquise's execution, authorities, notably Le Reigny, and King Louis the Fourteenth were convinced that the Marquise could not have acted alone, and more individuals were involved. Many people in high positions of power were arrested and tried, and these arrests gradually expanded until 1679, when the investigations came to their height in the resulting affair of the poisons. So, things are about to heat up. As I now tell you about the most famous character in the affair of the poisons, La Voisin. La Voisin? Mm-hmm. Okay. La Voisin was a midwife, and after her husband's business led to bankruptcy, she began selling her talents as a fortune teller, mainly by performing face reading, which is a... What uh, is a face reading? It was a thing I had never heard of before, but, like, it's basically how they do, like, palm reading, but they're literally like, just looking at your face. Oh, I, so Botox just fucks all they shit up. Well, it would, yes, but at this time, we don't I really have a lot of it. as yeah. someone who avidly <laughs> appreciates Botox in my angry-ass-looking forehead. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, she's practicing uh, face reading, which is a thing I had never heard of before, but... It's like, damn, bitch, you got wrinkles coming in. <laughs> you look stressed. <laughs> um, Disrespectful. As a midwife, she also was able to profit off of and perform abortions for those in need as abortions were illegal at that time in France. Good for her. Do not get attached to this person. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I know. I appreciate I, her services. That part, yes, but don't get attached to anybody in this fucking story, because they are all... They have, they're they're all a shit. shade of colors. Um, like, who among us? Yeah, fair enough. Um, but over time, her fortune-telling business gradually transformed into something more sinister. Um, as La Voisin noticed that her clients seemed to be focused on a specific set of goals. They either wanted someone to fall in love with them, they wanted someone dead so they could marry who they wanted, or they wanted someone dead so they could inherit their fortune. It was all of the strongest human emotions. It was love. It, it was, was basically greed, everything the genie said. Everything <laughs> the genie said he couldn't do. She was like, I, I got you. She was like, I got mm-hmm. you. Yeah, exactly. Robin Williams is like, ooh, can't do that. No. And then Lava Song was like, baby, I got her. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Um. So, seeing this, Lavoisan began to offer her clients magical remedies so they could get what they wanted. At first, she started off small. 
She would tell them that their wish would come true if it was the will of God and to pray or go to a church of a specific saint. They have a saint for everything, y'all. Um, and if this didn't work, for those who wished for people to fall in love with them, she would sell a love potion that might include the bones of toads, the teeth of moles, Spanish fly, iron fillings, human blood, and the dust of human remains. I would like to take a moment to speak about Spanish fly. <laughs> According to a health art, uh, sorry, Healthline article, true Spanish fly is made from blister beetles, specifically the substance produced by the beetles called cantharin. Yep, that's correct. Um, <laughs> dried beetles would be crushed and mixed into drinks or sweets, not always to the receiver's knowledge and consumed to promote feelings of warmth throughout the body and swelling of the genitals. But oh. these warm fuzzies are due to inflammation, not attraction. The potential dangers of using Spanish fly have been well documented and include painful urination, vomiting blood, priapism, convulsions, seizures, and death. So don't take those things. Don't take Spanish fly, everybody. The article goes on to suggest some alternatives for taking a Spanish fly, including getting more sunshine. You know, if you want to get the blood running for the sexy uh, time, D. get okay. yeah, vitamin, for the vitamin, vitamin D. You gotta D. just get that <laughs> you get out D, to the y'all. sunshine. Oh, oh my gosh! Goodness. A note here from history was. <laughs> Do not My under great aunt listens to this podcast. Yeah, well, she tis... just heard us make a dick joke. It is what it is. I'm so sorry. A note here from history was: <laughs> Do not, under any circumstances, dose anyone with anything without their knowledge. Consent is everything. Um, True that. Yeah. Um, if praying wasn't cutting it for those who really wanted to inherit those big fortunes, love voice on. Uh, concocted inheritance powders. Read poison to those in <laughs> What a clever, clever marketing term. It's like, is it murder? No. Is it's it poison? No. It's an inheritance powder, mm-hmm. boo. <laughs> but for those who were truly desperate, truly in need, La Voisson would perform her most expensive ritual, the Black Mass. <gasps> During a black mass, the client could pray to Satan for their wish to come true. And uh, this is going to be a drag, guys. During some of these masses, a naked woman performed as an altar. A bowl would be placed on the woman's stomach. And a baby was held above the bowl. And the blood from the baby was poured into the bowl. Oh, no. But a quick note here. It is unknown whether the baby was killed during these masses Let's cast our minds back. Love Voisson was also a midwife who performed abortions, sometimes late term. It's possible that the babies used during these rituals were stillborn or aborted fetuses. Reports on this varied. Regardless, it's unpleasant, to say the least. Um, but Love Voisson had many clients, and many of these clients were within the French aristocracy. Among the nobility were Olympia Mancini, the Countess of Soissons, her sister, the Duchess of Bouillon, the Duke of Luxembourg, and most importantly, Madame de Montespan, who, why most importantly, 
Uh, because the madam. What's her name? She was uh, ma- Madame no, de Montespan. Sorry, sorry, just the madam. <laughs> she was the king's maîtresse en tête, which means... She was mistress? She was the king's head side chick. Ooh. This was an incredible. She was the bottom yep. bitch of the king. Yeah, well, but the head bottom bitch. Yeah. This is an incredible honor at the time. She was the mother of several of the king's legitimized children, <gasps> and many referred to her as the real queen of France. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Montespan was alleged to have hired Lavoisson in 1667. To arrange a black mass while Montesson uh, prayed to win the love of the king. The same year, Montespan became the official mistress of the king. And after this, she employed Lavoisson whenever a problem occurred in her relationship with the king. In 1673, when the king's interest in Montespan seemed to wane, Montespan employed Lavoisson who provided a series of black masses. On at least one occasion, Montespan herself acted as the human altar during the mass. Montespan made it clear that the king should, if, if the king should abandon her, she would have him killed. And when the king entered into a relationship with Angelique de Fontage in 1679, Montespan called for Le and asked her to have both the king and Fontage killed. This plot proved to be unsuccessful. And after the party where Marie Boss boasted about how she was so great with poisoning, and after being arrested, tattled on Le Voisson, and Le Voisson was arrested outside of the church just after hearing mass. I have a chance to learn. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> she didn't. She died. Damn. Um, on the 27th December of 1679, Louis XIV issued an order that the whole network should be exterminated by all methods regardless of rank, of age, and the arrest of Lavoisson was followed with the arrest of her entire network of associates. Lavoisson did admit that Paris is full of this kind of thing, and there is an infinite number of people engaged in this evil trade, but refused to mention further clients, nor did she mention having arranged on or participated in any black masses. On the 17th February of 1680, 80, Lavoisson was put on trial and was convicted of witchcraft and two days later executed in public on the Place de Grive in Paris. R.I.P. Yes. In July, her daughter, Marguerite Montvoisson, revealed her connection to Montespan, which was confirmed by the statements of the other accused. This caused the king to close the investigation because shit just got way too real. And he sealed the testimonies and placed the remaining accused outside the public justiceism, public justice system, by imprisoning them under a lettre de cachet. De La Rainey, who was like the chief of police, reestablished a special court, the Chambre Ardent, or the Burning Court, to judge case cases of poisoning and witchcraft. Burning Court. The burn. You can. Guess. Is that just what they did for witches? Okay, so um, it was the La Chambre Adon, and it was the burning court, and yes. the chief of police established it to judge cases of poisoning and witchcraft, investigated a number of cases, including many connected to nobles and courtiers in the king's court. Over the years, the court sentenced 34 people to death for poisoning or witchcraft, two died under torture, and several courtiers were exiled. The court was abolished in 1682. 
because the king could not risk the publicity of such scandal. To this, the police... <laughs> exactly. To this, the police chief, Lorraine, said the enormity of their crimes proved to be their safeguard. And that is the story of the affair of the poisons. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, everybody died. <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of poisoning as well. It's wild. Twas. Twas wild. Everybody was poisoning everybody. There was, like, witchcraft and... I'm sorry, sir. Wizardry. Wizardry and, and <laughs> drinking wine, as y'all just yeah. heard. Um, but, yeah, that... Oh, what a what a time. Well, y'all, that is poison. <laughs> that is poison. Uh, it, there are no okay, happy endings there. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for listening with us through all of this. Uh we appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you would like to become an honorary history ho. Uh, you can see all of our additional content. We are making ridiculous shit even this <laughs> Truly. evening. Yep. Uh, also, uh, whatever your suggestions are, we'll go to the top of the list for episode ideas. Uh, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash historywoes. Uh, you can check us out on historywoes.com. Uh, find us on Instagram at historywoes. Uh, send us an email at historywoes at gmail.com we accept suggestions very polite feedback <laughs> um stories you'd like to share etc um shout out to victor nadas for her intro and outro music and thank you guys so much for listening to us and joining us this evening we look forward Great. to next time catch you guys next time <laughs>